Yo, what up? It's Voice of Phil up on the track, and you know, we just keep talking about it. We keep talking about it, talking about it. So I figured, you know what? Let's fucking talk about it. Let's fucking talk about it. We're talking about it. Strap it, because we're talking about it. Looky, 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 what did we just top deck? Expressive iteration, about to create some nonsense. Put the best card in our hand, exile a fetch land. Crack it and stack it and pack it in, let's talk about the bands. Watsy, 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 let us have a little chat. I got an offer, you can't refuse to treasures off the stack. But seriously, consider it and open up the shed. You whip out the band hammer, I will quip a Twitter thread. Expressive iteration gone, what's gonna happen now? Same story as Dreadheart Arcanist, Oko Thief of Crowns. Same thing as Treasure Cruise, Larissa the Dream Den, Deathrite Shaman, Ren and Six. Why we keep pretending? Burrow lays in wait just to bring upon his wrath. There's a saga building constructs power level, different class. To bury you know I set, draw engines and log pieces. How the fuck am I the only player who seems See this. The problem is systemic, it goes back to Innistrad. Cheap threats, days, wasteland. That's the problem, child. The cards I said before, they've all been in Delver. But forcing down with Uro and Sagavan, remember? Burked out on the block. Fucking see what happens. The best echo just adopt the next new best plan of action. I don't have all the answers, but what we're doing, it ain't working. Can we all at least agree to have a future that's uncertain? Try a sample platter of the format up on Moto, where a different card is banned to collect data to look over. You don't even have to share it. Transparency is so hard, but maybe your next band announcement will hit the correct card. Oh, fuck, man. I don't. I just don't know. Fuck it. Just hit the hook, bro. Just hit the hook. What it do? Look at, look at, look at what it we just top deck. Expressive iteration, about to create some nonsense. With the best card in our hand, exile the fetch land. Crack it and stack it and pack it in, let's talk about the band. Look at, look at, look at what it we just top deck. Expressive iteration, about to create some nonsense. With the best card in our hand, exile the fetch land. Crack it and stack it and pack it in, let's talk about the band. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Bro, it's going great. How are you doing? I'm good. We're recording this a little late on a Monday, so we're going to basically be posting this up on t- on Tuesday. I had, a, I had a somewhat busy weekend, actually. I, I did uh, I, I did a big walk with the dog. We went we went pretty far. But on top of that, I actually went to a, a concert for the first time in, I don't know, like three years? Uh, how was One Direction? <laughs> oh, no, it was a Motion City soundtrack. Oh, that sounds um, awesome. How was that? Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. They put on a. I, I've seen them live maybe three or four times. I think a couple times at Warp Tour. I saw them. Uh, man, I saw them. This is this is going to date me. I saw them with Rufio, mm-hmm. uh, like when they first came out. Uh, Rufio did a cover of like a like a prayer by Madonna. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I can remember that. I bought this concert for the. It was the 15th anniversary of Commit This to Memory, which is their second album, and it got canceled from COVID, and then like got re. You know, they rescheduled it, and that got canceled from COVID. And they rescheduled it. So this is like the fourth time they've rescheduled it and it actually happened. But like everybody that I bought three tickets and everybody that I bought tickets for couldn't go. So I just like gave tickets away and like went uh, actually a guy from uh, the local here. Uh, I went onto the local Discord for the for Philly Game Shop and I got uh, Guy Rob uh, got uh, got a ticket from me and we met at the show, which was pretty cool. Um, are you telling me in this moment that you are the ticket master? I, I literally am the ticket master. Yes. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, it was we uh, ages. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, somebody tried to start fights in the mosh pit at like a mostly fights in the mosh show. pit. Who's ever who's at ever a tried motion to do that? City soundtrack show though. Come on, like 
I've been to never been in a mosh pit. Thought, I've been to hundreds of shows. I've never gotten to a fight once. I've never even come close. Uh, and I get in there. I do my thing. You know, man, the the it's always at the like the events where like a fight should never happen. Mm-hmm. We're like, you're, you know, where people aren't experienced with the idea of like going to a show and slash being in a mosh pit yeah. uh, or being on the edge of a mosh pit, which is what this problem was. This guy was like uh, watching, watching the band with his girlfriend with their back to the mosh pit and then kept getting yeah. mad when someone would like hit them. them and it's like yeah. instead of instead of bitching about this you should just move out of the way and yeah. then like proximity to, to a mosh that. pit the the, you're, the the closer your proximity to a mosh pit the closer you are to get moshed so. yeah you're gonna get moshed yeah that is the yeah. golden rule of mosh pits you will get yeah. moshed if you're near a mosh pit that was like slight downer but like aside from that you know it was a, it was a really fun show they played all of commit this to memory and then they mm-hmm. uh they played, you know, they played the hits after that. They played stuff off of My Dinosaur Life and I'm the Movie, and they ended with The Future Freaks Me Out. And yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Like a nice, nice classic set list. Yeah, I, I you know, and I left feeling good, and I took a took a car home, and like you know, passed right out when I got home. Took a shower, mm-hmm. passed out. Bro, I got a question for you. Hmm. Before we dive into everything that we're talking about today, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the most egregious, how egregious is it that uh, Sensei's Divining Top is getting a reprint in Double Masters, but not on Band and Legacy? <laughs> That's pretty egregious. How egregious, egregious is it that they reprinted uh, Gifts Ungiven, which is also not legal in Commander, not played anywhere? Like, I'm the... I'm the preeminent Gifts Ungiven player in the world, probably, right? And that's that was like when I was playing it in Modern. It's it's all the legacy Gifts Ungiven players. Yeah, of course. Oh, yo, another another quick uh, like things that happened. I got a Steam Deck. Oh, nice. I, I've been playing Elden Ring on this thing. This is super fun. Wait, I, wait until you play uh, MTG Arena on that. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I, it, this is ba- it's basically a PC, so you I could yeah. set that up if I if I wanted to. No, for but sure. I, I'm not I'm not into like hacking the the mainframe and stuff and Mm. like that show reboot i i don't do that stuff it's nice like i have a nintendo switch so like i don't really get to play any of the newer generation games when they come Mm. out because it's always like they're too good for the switch because that's how nintendo rolls they just like put out two years later worth of technology speaking of that when they do the super mario brothers secret lair yeah oh i can't wait uh (laughs) all right so 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 what four cards make it into the secret lair and what do they do you gotta go with uh, Archelos, because uh, he's a Dirtle Turtle. Oh, oh, this is the, the whole new secret lair. I'm thinking you got Mario, Luigi, Bowser, Peach. Oh, okay. You're you're saying if we're you, not gonna like we're not gonna like Stranger Things like create. Thing. Oh no, we're not. So you're saying things. who this makes was, it in? It's Street Fighter secret lair, but instead okay. it's Super Mario. And if they did what they got six in in Street Fighter, so you could do six in Super Mario. So you got Mario, Luigi, Bowser, Peach, Yoshi, and Bowser. You want Bowser? You think Bowser <laughs> makes the cut at no. six? No way. You're tired. No you're, way. You're, well, Bowser's not officially a character. The and you're taking Bowser. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I say Waluigi, Wario, Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, and Princess uh, Daisy. Those are my choices. Oh, so you, you, you're just like you're just like I'm not interested in Bowser at all. You're like what? Bowser doesn't even get into well, this at all. You could you could throw in Bowser and Donkey Kong if you wanted, but like I, I get like Wario's Donkey a Donkey better villain, good. man. Yeah, but yeah, is he is he? I guess I guess he has got as much clout as Bowser at this point. Yeah, it's funny because like uh, I don't know how much you know about like the mythos of like all these characters, but so Waluigi never shows up in non-sports games. Oh, interesting. He's like he's like that friend like he he's like that friend that you know that like plays magic but yeah. like refuses to play anything else like you might have a group okay. of friends like for your board game night 
and you invite everybody over and like they all know waluigi but he's like i i only play magic like that's all i do and you're like oh we're yeah. going to a concert he's like sorry i i don't i only play magic you know so like, waluigi's like if we're not playing tennis i'm not yeah. interested he's like yeah. i only do sports i you know like i'll i'll race i'll do racing but like adventure stuff or like uh mario versus rabbits you know that stuff yeah. he's like no i don't do that uh, like i don't like that stuff is nerd shit i don't uh-huh. i don't fuck with it you know <laughs> yeah of all of the people in the super mario universe which one if only one is a planeswalker who is it Ooh, dude latiku i think latiku is a planeswalker yeah dude he can definitely planeswalk you kill him and then he just pops back up later on what's that all about oh man i think i think boo is the planeswalker boo? i think it's get out of yeah, here yeah <laughs> boo's always you know he's, he's there's always like a thousand where's he going, where's like, he going? there's always you know? like 27 boos on the screen though yeah dude because he's, he's he's everywhere that's his, he can a, he can mage. duplicate himself like J- yeah, jason excellent amazing <laughs> and if it's not if, and if it's not if it's not boo it, it's it's gotta be toad this is the legacy content you've come here for, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is secret lair speculation. And there's yeah, going to yeah. be a special secret lair coming later this year that they haven't told us about. They told us there's a special secret lair coming. They just haven't said what it is. They could do secret lair band cards and then just give us Death Ray Shaman reprint and Dick Dick Time reprint and like you know they're legal and pioneer. That's right, Shannon, but it's but it's uh Toad. You don't know. I think would be cool. I think <laughs> if they get, I want to see them do Silver Border, uh, like a Secret Lair Silver Border set. So it's not competitive. It's not tournament legal of mistakes that they've made and how they would have how they should have designed them. So like. Oh. What, what what should Deathrite Shaman actually have looked like? And then yeah. give us that in Silver Border. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be fun. I think that would be like a, 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 a nice nod to like, you know, Magic's history. It's like, we understand. Mistakes happen. Whatever. We've all, so, we, 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 we all get it. But to totally cool drive to like, this point into the that? ground, Phil, if you could choose like an IP for them to do for Secret Lair, what would you choose? If I could choose an IP for them to do, Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot. Wow. You're going right. You're going right for the throat. Huh? I, I I think it would be really awesome to see how they would do Crash Bandicoot. I just want to see. Oh, you do you know, know my dad is a huge Crash Bandicoot fan? I just want to know what would Aku Aku do, and <laughs> it's not allowed to be an equipment. <laughs> I, I choose Zelda. That's yeah, yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but, Link, but like, Link, I, I, you know, I choose like Link, Ganon, Zelda, Impa. Bagu from the second Legend of Zelda mm-hmm. that nobody mm-hmm. that nobody ever played. Oh, sp- actually, you just reminded me of. Um, for, for secret layers that I would want them to do now. Obviously, there, there's uh, the possibility of eventually going into comic book space, right? Like, get, why not? Like those kinds of characters in comic book space. And because I've been Spawn. watching the boys, I would, I oh, would really dude, be, I would, be, I would really good. love to see what they, what they could do with the boys' characters as, as magic cards. That would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, they'd all be indestructible. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they would all be indestructible. But like, you know, I think it would be cool to see how they do that kind of thing with indestructible. Really, I just want to see what they would do with Frenchie. Yeah, and Huey has Skulk. <laughs> yeah, he has Skull. That's it. That's it. He's just he's just a one for one one for one with Skull. Human Skulker. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. I've been I've been like really going hard on uh TV. Like, I mean, I've always been going hard on TV ever since the pandemic happened because it's like just something to do. But like between like Obi-Wan, have you watched For All Mankind? Hey, if you're if you're out there uh and you have seen For All Mankind, this is a perfect time for you to like and subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> That's the kind of content that you get. Yeah, you, yeah. Actually, I, another thing that I think would be cool as a secret layer that they could do, I mean, I know that they do it for the World Championship where they give somebody a promo card, but I think it would be cool to do invitational cards essentially as a secret layer. So after they've gotten enough people who yeah. have earned like their qualification or whatever, it's like secret layer invitational or whatever. And the four people who have won the major events of the year 
uh, get to help design a secret layer, and and then they don't have to worry about the confines of what that looks like in a set and how (laughs) he drafts. You know, because I know like when PV got his card, they confined it to like he got back and forth with it. But I think you mentioned how he got like options that they gave him, and then he got to like sort of work with those options, but he like didn't actually get what he wanted. Like he wanted a blue card, but they were like, we don't have a slot for a blue card, so you can have this white card or a black card. And then he sort of got to pick what it was, but it wasn't fully the same thing as like being able to submit your card and then like yeah. actually go back and forth on it. But with a secret layer where you're not confined to how does a card draft within a given environment, that would be cool. I think that would that would be what I want. You know, initially Snapcaster Mage was supposed to be a land that costs like you could channel uh, and it costs two and two blue to counter target spell. I'm not oh, making yeah, so that up. That's literally what, yeah, yeah. what four, it was. Four, yeah. unman- uncounterable four mana channel land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyhow, I mean, that, that's the my, my, the the best one was uh was Finkel's doing a Wrath of God that just untaps four lands. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? So you could just slam so down the creature. It was it, it was Wrath of uh, Lechnef, which is just Finkel's name backwards, and it was it was part of the untap like the untap cycle, like um like treachery, and it was Wrath of God untap four lands. It was awesome. Wow. <laughs> they were like, okay, so control just never is unbeatable. <laughs> yeah, wrath your board untap all my mana go um uh, yeah been a delight. In, in, instead he got a one three with fear yeah i mean that car, that card is very finkel because oh, that that, that, that card now that card now would just be a, a one three for one be a a common blue. too yeah it'd be a common <laughs> i mean it's already been downgraded to uncommon right yeah, yeah. I, I remember he told the story where he was like, I knew I did something wrong when I submitted my 1-3 three for 3, my 1-3 one, for 1 blue black with fear and the Ophidian text. And, and they like, said, cool. yes. Yeah, this is yeah. fine. With no pushback. He was like, I knew <laughs> yeah. I, I knew in that moment I made a mistake. He could have, I wonder if, how good it would have been if he had submitted it as just blue black 1-3 with the same thing, just shaved a mana off of it. I mean, and, it probably would have saw play. Like, that, that during that era, that card didn't even see play. It was, it was a card that when it came out was like, twenty dollars everybody wanted to get it because they were like this yeah, card's yeah, amazing forbidian you know we, we get how right. to play with this card but uh the the blue black card that actually everyone played instead was psychotog psychotog was in the same yeah i wonder what long like the same way that like dark confidant has like an in and out of long longevity like it'll still show up sometimes now but it's kind of fringy because the power level has just been so lopsidedly increased but I wonder how how far Finkel's card would have gone if it cost two instead of three. Like, I wonder if it would have it was like had a any amount of significant more play. <laughs> not, not even a two four. It's just like yeah. if it, if like because at three mana, it's just too much because then you're not actually drawing another card until turn four, and that's assuming that you committed your entire turn three. Yeah. But if you just if you got it a turn earlier and it's not hard pressuring your pressuring your opponent and then you have other more powerful things that you could be doing like i wonder if it would ever i've actually seen play like nowadays, i think if it was like, an 03 that like if it got through unblocked you know like yeah i i, I wonder if it, it's like like right now it's like you have baleful strix at, at at two that is just a value card that controls the board to some extent and i wonder if you had the potential to be like hmm do i want baleful strix or do i want finkel and the incentives of being like, do I want to get in there to draw cards over the course of a turn? But then he's not really going to control the board all that well. Or do yeah. I want board presence? And like, it could there's be, an interesting it could debate be like in that legacy, to be had, you know? It could be legacy playable two mana, I think. Yeah. At yeah, least that, it'd be it, an it, option to consider. Like at three mana, you're not ever like, come on, Oro exists. Right. Yeah. I, I, cause I, I think <laughs> if it, if it, if it had the text of if it dealt, if it deals anytime there's a, a creature that needs to deal combat damage and the effect isn't overwhelming, like a ragavan or something that's super cheap, I, I'm waiting for them to switch the, the text of a card to say when it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker. Because I know, uh, I remember, uh, um, whenever I would play with the cards that are like, it has to deal combat damage to a player, 
that then when you really need to get a planeswalker off the board and you're attacking the planeswalker but then don't get the effect of why you put the card in in your deck in the first place because planeswalkers are broken it's like oh man i, I wonder if if a, a one three for blue black with with you know whatever with menace or whatever the unblockable replacement for fear is right now and it said whenever it deals combat damage to a creature or planeswalker draw a card if that would see any considerable play at all yeah i think Maybe. i think there's a there's a possibility for it but like you know they're never gonna they're never gonna print that. <laughs> they're never gonna be like we we'll print a card that's significantically better than than the uh card that they've, somebody they've won already the done that they've done that a million times <laughs> they've done that a million times they're, they're, there's there's no that that's, that's we'll no, make a I one mean, mana snapcaster mage i wanted to bring up like a couple of quick like bullet points like fast fire you know just yeah, stuff Stuff that people should know about about the Magic the Gathering in the summer of 2022. Real quick, this is going to take less than five minutes. First off, uh, something I've I've noticed over the last like couple of months specifically is like singles prices are at some of the best they've ever been. If you're playing standard, if you're playing any any format, right, Commander, because they keep printing like four or five different, you know, three or four different versions of a card between foils and different treatments and then foils of different treatments and and then like a full art version the version of that that people like the least is significantly always cheaper than the the like one that everyone likes the most so you isn't can the get version it. that's always isn't the version that's always cheapest the regular version no it like no it's not like people really don't like the the like D ones for some reason and oh, these oh, are like a, pennies the on the dollar stuff, yeah. in, compar in comparison like i think i got uh the white the white and the blue dragon for like 20 bucks, so, something like $15 or something like that. And yeah. the full art version was like 30 plus dollars at the time. So I, we should get a TI, we, we, we should get a, a, a vendor on at some point to talk about which versions of all these cards. I get that art matters a lot, especially for the, like the borderless versions. Yeah. But I always just assume that just like the regular magic card, like the regular standard version of a card, it always goes for less than the extended art or the borderless. It seems but. like it seems like the 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 like hierarchy of uh, of like what's good is like old border versions of cards. Oh yeah, are, yeah, are the top the are the top tier, right? Yeah, and then it goes down to like foils that don't curl. So like etched foils generally do pretty good, and etched then it's like nice, yeah, and then it's like a regular card, and then like if there's a showcase that players don't like, you know, and yeah. in, in, in particular, the, uh, apparently people don't like the. Uh, yeah, the I, I, I feel like I love this. I think this is so cool particularly who i am i like i actually really like the the dmg uh showcase as well i know people really didn't like the modern horizon sketchbook stuff either as a yeah showcase. yeah that didn't, that, that didn't exactly yeah. over well i like i liked those but i I'm, I'm like a sucker for like the the experimental stuff i mean literally i paint on all of my cards so yeah exactly but so and, and in that scenario you're like better off because it doesn't really matter what the artist somebody's gonna paint over top of it yeah yeah what's what what's what's Mangucci's uh slogan he's like buy high never sell buy high never sell geez that's like a point i wanted to make like you know when you're bought when you're looking to buy I, I play a lot of commander so like i you know on my desk they're just constantly like you know commander decks like in the works happening so i buy a lot of like random singles and stuff and i've been seeing a lot of oh okay like i can just like get the cheapest versions of these and it's significantly like less less cost to do that so that's something you should just keep in mind uh as you're as you're looking just, around just quickly out of curiosity who's your favorite edh general that is not competitive like the one where you're like i have this and i know i'm never winning games with it but i have a blast playing it so i got two answers one i really like uban uban is a uh landfall guy he's a three three like elf shaman or elf spirit okay and uh whenever he comes into play uh you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature and then during combat target land 
becomes a XX creature equal to Ubon's oh, right. uh, power yeah, and toughness yeah, yeah. with trample and haste. So you could ba- you basically just like start attacking people with like a giant land because you've made Ubon huge. Mm. But actually, the deck that I'm building right now, I think, is going to be a blast. I'm build- I'm doing Garth and doing Maze's End in Garth. Oh, right. Yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. Garth Gate. Yeah. Then the other one, uh, the one I'm actually building right now is um, Raised by Giants and ba- and Baloth, Baleth. Uh, basically, he is a like a 3-3 for 5 mana that gives all creatures with power less than him goad. But if you raise my giants, all of your uh, all of your commanders are 10-10s. So it gives mm. all of your opponent's creatures goad. And basically, like, they can never attack you. They have to attack each other. So that's, I, I don't know, that, that seems super fun to me. I like the political stuff. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, I, keep going. Sorry, keep going on your list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Anyhow, then the last thing I want to bring up, so we're, we're closing on that five-minute mark, right? The last thing I want to bring up is um, I was watching, I, I watch a lot of Magic the Gathering content online just to see what, you know, what we can do that's that's working in the community and uh, as a whole as like content creators. And uh, one of the things I saw was uh, the Booster Box game that the professor does every set. And so the Booster Box game is like a professor opens up uh, like a set and draft booster of, of each set and sees if he gets value. And he keeps going until he doesn't get, like, the box's cost in value of, like, uh, cards in in the uh, in singles, right? And so the last one he did was a set booster of, uh, of Baldur's Gate 2. Opened up the entire box, and he got $50 worth of value. And he was like, I'm sorry, that's got to be an outlier. Like, let me do that again. And he opened up another box and got like $40 worth of value. And that all goes towards saying like, you should just be, for sets like this, where there's like no value, because like they didn't reprint like Chilled Lotus or like uh, Doxide Extortionist. Obviously they were waiting for Doxide Extortionist for this set. You know, like those staples that like bring up the value of a set. The singles are like worth nothing in Baldur's Gate. Like I bought like a ton, a ton of stuff. I went and bought like every every background commander and every background. And it was like thirty dollars. It was like forty you know, I mean, something cards. It was like thirty bucks. What's crazy too is I'm I like there there are some cards that are worth like some crisp twenties. You know, like the two both the two mana uh, flash two two white creatures that yeah uh, give but you they're value. In, like both, they're in uh, the um, what's it called? Yeah, they're both in Baldur's Gate. They're both hovering around like uh, I mean I'm looking at the borderless versions right now, but they're both twenty bucks. On yeah, borderless. but they're in uh, the thing is Phil, they're in the uh the like pre-cons oh that's so why you, okay so like I, I i don't have the other one but like the uh this this pre-con in particular the black uh white one if you can find yeah. it you get like 140 dollars worth of value of cards in it oh okay there and go. it's like 30 40 dollars at like best buy or you know target or whatever like if you go to a target you can pretty much find these just sitting on shelves and you get like a lot of value out of this it, especially if you're like a kid buy buy this Give it to your your kid or your friend's kid after you take the one card that you need out of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I guess I say all that to say this: buy singles right now. Like that's it's summertime. You know, go to your LGS and buy singles. Go to a TCG player. I wish you had a TCG uh, player affiliate link. I, I should really get on that now that we now that we are an LLC. We can actually do that sort of stuff. We should get. Uh, a TCG link. I say all this that to say this: buy singles. It's a great time to do it. If you like to brew in legacy, wonderful time to buy singles. 
to just get weird stuff and figure out if if decks work or not. That's the, and that's all I've got to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. Um, Phil, you were saying something about competitive legacy. Oh yeah, so I, I had a really interesting conversation with at Game Story this past uh, week. There was a Legacy Monthly. Uh, I've been working on Miracles as always, but I've been recently working on uh, a version of Miracles that is very focused on counterbalance and as the plan A. You know, we've talked about on the cast before about you know how you're figuring out what your when you're putting your deck together and making your card choices. That the way you, you got to think about that is what's the Legacy Power Level thing to do. That card should be the basis of what your 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 deck does, and then you fill out the rest of your card choices from there so like before it used to be terminus abc deck building my plan a was terminus i thought terminus was the most powerful thing to be doing nowadays all of the the power level is such that every threat is individually powerful and much much less often do decks need to extend into a terminus the same way that they used to when they were doing like death right shaman into leobold or birds of paradise into you know whatever and you would be able to catch uh you go up a couple cards off of a terminus and that was where your power level was nowadays you just don't have to do that there isn't there isn't really that play pattern anymore everything is so individually powerful but in a world where delver is 20 uh, percent of the field and jess guy or is the is the other best deck and uh a cast affinity is the second or third best deck where a cast affinity is like all zero drops and then Delver's all one drops. And then for the most part in Jeskai, uh, at least in the control mirror, there's like eight cards in the deck that you care about. It's like Narset Teferi and then maybe some mentors. So counterbalances focus can actually leverage you advantage over the course of a game because the uh, CMCs have, have zoned in. So when I'm building Miracles, I'm thinking, okay, these are the decks that I want to target. Counterbalance is worthwhile. I want Counterbalance. Therefore, I want Mystic Sanctuary. And then therefore, I want like Entreat the Angels, like something that works as the 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 other side of the spectrum where counterbalance is good going big over the top with entreat the angels is so there's there's like the concept of the deck anyway i've been working on that and i had a really interesting conversation with chris Benucci of 90s mtg who's been trying out a couple of different decks he loves playing like grixis blue black base control decks and uh for the last like two weeks or so he's been playing thomas mars four color good stuff deck which is like essentially what old grixis was of like him to turok and all of that stuff but it's splashing white you like, like a good white removal yeah. yeah it's like pile except it, it's it's more like a bunch of teferis a bunch of him to turoks expressive iteration all the white removal but it's it's obviously the color density of all those cards i said is really in, de in, in depth so he's playing no basics in that list and he's been trying out that list and he hasn't uh, found his footing with it really he says that he's not really enjoying it because the man is so stretched on all that but we had an interesting conversation about he opened up his hand one one game and he's also like trying to figure out how he's supposed to pilot the deck and he's like am i supposed to lead on turn one ponder or turn one inquisition in the blind and i was like given the other context of whatever your hand is right like let's say that hand has a second land drop if you don't have a second land drop your ponder is essentially you're you're keeping that hand assuming that ponder is a land and you have to ponder for a land, which is unfortunate because you don't really want to be spending your your cantrips finding mana sources. But in this, in, it's okay to keep a hand like that. Turn one, turn two. That's what you have to do sometimes. Right, right. That's it. You, you just need to be able to continue developing in your deck. But if you do have a second land drop, right? Like, let's say your hand is rolled up. Ponder, in my mind, would be, okay, what's your deck trying to do? What's it trying to accomplish? And whatever it's trying to accomplish, that's what Ponder should be helping you find. It should be helping you find the plan A if you're in the blind and you don't need to change your course of action. But in a deck 
that has Hindu Turok in it, the only de- the only type of deck that I can I can conceptually understand that would have Hindu Turok in it is a deck that is looking to simplify the game as much as possible. You can't be looking to play a high resource game and have Hindu Turok in your deck because then it's not going to like the best Hindu Turoks are the ones that catch their last two cards, right? Yeah. The the, the only thing like Hindu Turok catch is their not, only has, two lands. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like Hindu Turok in my mind is similar in functionality to Lava Spike. It has one option. It does one thing, which yeah. means that there's no flex ability aside from that one thing if it's in your deck your deck is doing that thing you can't pivot away from that thing otherwise you wouldn't put that card in your deck so in my mind if he's playing four color and that deck is playing three hindu torah your game plan the the point of your deck is to simplify the game as much as possible and then run away with whatever's left over. It's similar to how old Grixis Control back in like Grixis Control days where it was like Baleful Strix and Kologon's Command and Snapcaster Mage. The reason that those decks would win with like chip damage off at the end between like Snapcaster and, and, and Baleful Strix is because everything else about that deck was meant to simplify the game. And then once the game was so simplified, it didn't matter what you win with. Yeah, I'll win like chipping in the air with two Baleful Strix or whatever until you're dead. When he's at the point where he's like, am I supposed to ponder turn one or Inquisition turn one? I think, well, if your plan A in the dark is I want to simplify the game, I am always leading with Inquisition there. But that is like the type of decision where that decision is informed by how you conceptually built your deck. The plan A is to simplify the game as much as possible. So if I'm in the dark on turn one, I want to simplify the game. I'm firing off the discard spell. You know, granted, there isn't like the outlier uh, example like we talked about of needing to find a second mana source. But even so... I think there's also argument that you're taking the risk of if you can't play around Wasteland anyway, because you're not playing any basics in your deck, yeah. that it's also possible that you're like, even if this Ponder is committed to finding a, a second land on turn two, if I don't find one, I would still potentially Inquisition on turn one, because I want to Inquisition, simplify the game state, assume that I'm not going to get Wastelanded because I'm not playing around that card anyway, because I have no yeah. basics in my deck. And then if I don't find a land on turn two, I'll then be able to Ponder and know what I'm looking for, plus be able to find a, look for a second land drop if I don't hit it. So... I, I, that 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 is to say that when you were saying now is a great time to brew, I think that when you're thinking about those kinds of cards in your deck, you have to be thinking what is your plan A, and know that ideally in a in a vacuum, if you're playing a proactive strategy in any meaningful way, which is similar to like why I'm moving over to counterbalance because it's a more proactive plan. Yeah. What are your first four turns in a in a vacuum? Ideally, your deck is doing if if your deck is functioning at its maximum capacity within the first three or four turns, what is it doing every single time? And unless you need to change plans from that and pivot. It, you know, because you're playing against something like oops, all spells or something, or you're, you, that something doesn't line up. But like, you should know what that is. And then when you're brewing, you should have a concept of like what that is every time, and then play to that every time until you have a re- reason not to. Seconding on that, Grixis Control also got some reasonable tools that can sort of change its type of plan after the fact. So it recently got Hidetsugu who consumes all. Really powerful spell. Yeah. But it's really powerful against certain things that it, against certain kinds of decks, right? It's really good against Delver. It's really good against uh, Acast. It's not good against Jeskai, right? It's not going to be good against the decks that aren't spamming uh, stuff where one, the, first, one zero the, first, drops, right? yeah. the first level of... Yeah, right, exactly. The same way that like you could have a, a, a Grixis deck where post-board against certain decks, that's your plan, right? Essentially to say that simplifying the game state off of a Hymda Turok against eight cast is going to be pretty tough. Their deck is literally eight d- divinations, right? It's going to be really hard to get the divination deck off, like to simplify the game in that in that, in that that context, right? So him to Tarak's going to be soft there. But if you pivot your deck where the plan A is like, Hidetsugu, who consumes all, is my plan A. I want to navigate the board or navigate the game to get it to where a Hidetsugu ETBs and cleans up. That's where then you can navigate your discard spells to like navigate to that point. So in that regard, your discard spells or your like Inquisition or Thoughtseize is early on are going to do different things, right? In in the Hindu Turok version, where that's your plan A, you're thinking, well, I have to strip the thought cast. 
because the whole point of my game is to make sure that they don't do those things. Whereas if your game plan now post-board is Hidetsugu, your discard spell will target something else that Hidetsugu can't clean up. Who cares if they go up four cards, if they're putting them all on the table? Well, I need to get rid of this Emery instead. I need to get rid of this Sai instead because that is not going to get cleaned up by a Hidetsugu. So I'm going to navigate the game towards that as opposed to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that. Th those are informed decisions based on whatever your plan A is. And then you're thinking about your plan A in your main board. And then you're thinking about your plan A in your sideboard choices against certain decks. This is my plan against this deck. This is now my plan A. And I know going into that matchup that that is how I'm going to navigate the game, which is different from how I would have done it in the main deck going uh, main deck going in blind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that was a really like that. That's like pretty in depth. But that was like off of a simple question conversation that Venucci and I had where he was like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to do this and do that. And I was like, that's a clarifying moment. Right. That's 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 a, a moment where you like can learn like as you're learning to play a deck. That's got to be it. Right. And then you can navigate it like if that's your play style. Is that something that you that you enjoy doing? Is that something that you feel uh, comfortable navigating? You know, and then you can make those choices for yourself in your own in your own way because you know when you're playing with all the most powerful cards, you have that kind of flexibility. But yeah, that's that is the 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 what I wanted to convey in this episode because I thought that was really interesting. That, all that is to say that like whatever your deck is looking to do, and I think that every deck in the format right now that's good kind of has that the the, the capacity for that. Now that's not to say like if you have sideboard cards where like there are certain cards that are just hammers against certain kinds of decks. You know, if you're playing against Dredge, your game plan is really just find your graveyard hate. If you're it's just shuffle until it's you like, get uh, it's just find your graveyard hate. Your I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think that's where I I have always found that like those types of games to be just significantly less interesting, right? Because you're just like looking for your hammer and it's like, if you find it, you win. And if you don't, you lose. And there isn't as much gameplay there. There's less decision-making to be had because you're like, it's this or bust. Yeah. But against against the, the those types of decks that have a lot of flexibility in their plans, like they can do multiple things. And then you're trying to navigate against those multiple things with like the capacity of what you're capable of doing. It's, it's very similar to how for years, there's always been like the creature pivot, right? Yeah, like, of course. I have no creature like, in my you know, deck. Throw the Rattle Master to... in, from the sideboard. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Pivot to creatures. That was a really simplified version of just thinking, what is my plan A against certain kinds of decks, yeah. right? But, but like if my plan A was this before, I'm pivoting to this as the new plan A, and then my entire deck is going to support that plan A. So um, here's I mean, back a, in another, the day, uh, the back in the day, the play was, uh, you know, you played your black dark ritual combo deck, and then uh, you would side out like the combo card and side mm -hmm. in Phyrexian Negator against a mono, like oh, your dude. mono blue control deck, and you just like, boop, and you lost. There was there was a time a long time yeah. ago where ANT boarded three to four Dark Confidant. You remember yep. this? Yep. And they would just be like, all right, I'm playing eight discard spells. I'm going to go Dark Ritual on one, duress you, play Bob, go. Yeah. And I'm just going to be the control deck. I'm just going to strip your hand apart while you're sitting there with counter magic because you don't want me to combo off. I'm going to beat you down and go up cards with Dark Confidant because you have no removal in your deck. And I'm just going to clear the, I'm going to be the control deck against you. And I was like, that's such a, that's such a sick pivot. It just feels so yeah. cool. Um, don't side out but, your lightning bolts, guys. I keep telling people. <laughs> but th then, then there's uh, another avenue of when you're figuring out your plan A post board, that whenever you're committed, whenever you're, when you're making your card choices and going into an event, I'm going to use this past legacy monthly that I played at my local shop game story as an example. So I've been trying to figure out, like, I, I feel like my main deck and everything is very good against Delver. I feel like I'm really set up against Delver. I feel like I'm really set up against Acast because 
I have um, my pivot plan against the creature matchups is I wasn't playing any Terminus in the main, but I was playing three Terminus in the side. And that was a clear, a, a tacit acknowledgement that if any deck is going wide against me, think elves, think madness, like any deck that has actually spamming a bunch of creatures that go wide where it, one for one removal sucks, like Source yeah. of Postures and Prismatic Ending ain't getting it done. Yeah. And I need to go into a place where Terminus can clean up. That is, a, that is a pivot. I'm changing to where my plan A is now Terminus again, because that's the best thing against those matchups. But again, something like the control mirror like a Jeskai control deck that's playing a bunch of narsets or teferis or whatever i've been trying to figure out what the what is the best way for me to pivot against those matchups to clean up the fact that we have a bunch of uh, removal in the main that's not actually doing anything like prismatic ending is notoriously very bad against those decks because if you're spending it on their walker they've already gone up a card you're playing at sorcery speed they get to untap they have the initiative they have all of the card advantage like you're never winning that game mm -hmm. so i'm thinking to myself what is i've been experimenting with different things to try and help play against those matchups and one thing that i remember thinking is okay what's the axis that they don't compete on what's the axis that they don't fight over and those decks aren't playing wasteland right they're not wasteland decks they're not really hitting your mana in any meaningful way if they bring in their their like blood moons or whatever they're probably going down a card like there are basics in 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 both decks like it's not that's not what they're doing to waste their mana doing that you'd rather just have a planeswalker so i'm thinking okay that is the axis that i want to fight on then so i've been i tried out search first content right i went old tech let's bring out search first content if i flip a search first content there's no way i'm losing a game against the in a control mirror and then something that happened i was playing against hang zong who ended up winning the tournament but i played a search first content against him and then he went and i had like three or four cards in the graveyard at this point. But then he's like, all right, Pyroblast your search first content. And then I forced the Pyroblast. And that led him to change his play patterns to now really aggressively fight over the search first content, recognizing that it was a threat. But after the game, we were talking about it and he's like, yeah, I was actually really surprised that you fought over the Pyroblast on the search first content. And my rationale for doing so was I was like, that's my plan. That's the pivot that I made. Yeah. I boarded into that being the thing. I like I'm protecting the sideboard cards that I brought in because if I'm not if I'm not committed to that plan, what's the point of even boarding it? I didn't board it into one for one you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. So, that, I mean that card's there to get you an immense amount of value. So if, yeah, and if, if you can get it to work, then it's over. Knowing that in my head, I'm like, this is my plan against you. I'm going to make my decisions to reflect that. And then sometimes like, and that was me, I was experimenting with search first content. It didn't end up working out, right? It was, it was protecting. It was too much of a hurdle early on in the game. And by the time you're in the late game and everything is developed, it's way harder to get there. So like, I was, I was like, I'm going to put it on two. We're going to fix my draws. It was good with like, you know, showing me the top card for like prediction stuff. I was like, this, this looks like a nice, neat little package that can potentially win this matchup. Now it, it proved to be underwhelming, right? It did like the experiment didn't work, but I committed it. I committed to it in a way that you should commit to your sideboard plans. If you thought like, this is how I want to attack this matchup. I'm going to commit to attacking to it. Even if it doesn't work, at least now, you know, that even when you're, uh, you're doing it properly, like you're attacking that matchup properly in your head of like, this is the way I want to do it. Even if it doesn't work, you're like, okay, at least now I know it doesn't work. I can yeah. put that experiment and I can go and experiment with something else as opposed to if you're like, okay, I played it and they power blast it and that was it. And I never actually did anything with it and it sucks. It's like, well, if you didn't commit to it, then you didn't actually stress test it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I put my resources behind it. And, and I want to jump in to, to bring up a kind of an interesting point. So as, as a traditionally like a tempo or Delver player, that's not how I play uh, my sideboard cards. Mostly because like Delver is, is all time-based, right? Like it's one for one. If, if I play, you know, search first contest, say in my Delver deck, I wouldn't do that normally, but like, let's say I'm doing that. I, I slam this card and then my opponent counters it. And let's say like, 
I have I have the option to like Dave, right? I have to determine whether or not like this is the time to daze. Normally, the answer is if it is if you can daze, you should daze, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to determine whether or not I want to punish this person for playing like three drops or whatnot, and and deal with you know deal with them that way. And I think it's interesting to to decide like the the thing that I want to fight over is specifically this card because it's part of my sideboard versus like this card because it's the time to do the, the thing. There's there's an interesting like uh, push pull there. That's game navigation, right? Like you're, yeah. you're just thinking like I, I think that like when you're playing Delver and you're playing uh, any type of days deck, you have to think what if what am I playing against? Where are the stress factors on their curve? And then how am I navigating to leverage my soft counter magic against their curve? Yeah. And I think that's that that's where you, your pivot points like really come in. And then you if you can get into a stack war to think, okay, like their counter magic is all free counter magic, or are they playing like flusters or something? Like where can I, you know, stress their mana or try and navigate the game where I can then leverage? And that's gonna be where you have good days players versus medium days players, right? Yeah. Like, the ones that can rec- the ones that are aware there are no bad format. days players <laughs> days is powerful it's like there are no bad stuff. questions but it's like but it's it, it is one of those things where it's like okay if i'm play- if you're playing against jessica and you're like okay i know that they have eight three drops and i know that all of their threats that can beat me are at three so yeah. that means that if they want to play around days they're not going to do it until four and if that's the case then w- when am i supposed to properly wasteland them if they give me a target exactly that's gonna yeah. you know because i'm trying to stress i'm, tr- I'm trying to manage their play pattern while ideally having a threatened play because yeah. if we can fight over your how you're maneuvering your curve while I'm clocking you that's the ideal spot for Delver to be if I'm doing that without a clock then I'm going to lose that game because you have time and I can't leverage the I, I can't leverage you having time yeah. so versus you know. Delver time plus Delver equals you lose right that's where like, I guess I it's, lost. It's, also like, it's also one of those things where it's like if you have a threat and then you, like let's say you turn one threat turn to cantrip and you're playing against the the, the jess guy deck that has a bunch where you're like the three drops are what matter then you're like okay i will now know based on where we are in the game based on what their mana situation is am i keeping this days that i just pondered or not you know yeah. it's like are, are, are is this player showing me that they are aggressively playing around pond or around days do they think that like i've boarded some of them out because they're on the uh, i'm on the draw or whatever you know what i mean it's like that's where reading what their behavior is, but then also just knowing in the aggregate what their deck is likely to be and where their curve sits. That's going to give you that's going to give you points. But yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. That's that, that that's navigation, right? That's just like yeah, you just you, you, I mean, all, all this stuff is calculations you have to make on the fly anyhow. Um, yeah, so I, you just kind of you know some there are no there are you know what is it what's the Jedi thing that insists only Sith deal absolutes. There's never a 100. Mm-hmm. This is what you should always be doing situation unless it's casting days and you should always be putting the the land back in your hand. Don't hard cast days, guys. Come on. Come wow. on. Wow. Don't hard cast days. Stop doing wow. that. Not necessary. Uh, until you're putting TNN back in your deck. If you can hard cast days, you should be brainstorming that land away. That's all wow. I'm saying. Very bad. Yeah. Kind of is the cast for this week. I did want to mention. So Command Fest Philly is happening this weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 one thing, if you're going to Command Fest Philly and you have all of your decks, uh, one place where you should uh, share all those deck lists before you go. Exactly. It's Moxfield. It's Go Moxfield. to Moxfield.com. Check out Moxfield.com. It works great on your PC. It works great on your Mac. It works amazing on your phone. I do most of my uh, deck deck messing around on the toilet on my phone. Like, I'm going to be the first one to yeah. admit, don't touch my phone. It's got poop particles all over it. Wow. Um, but that being able to use uh, the Moxfield website is so intuitive on your phone. And because you don't need an app or anything like that on it, it just it's just amazing. You just go to Moxfield.com or log in. Boom. And you're making a deck immediately. So I, I just love, I just love it for that. Um, if you're not using it, you're using some other like website. Come on, 
Like, what are you doing? You should be, what you should doing? already be on this. It, 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 Get we've on. Had, we've had this conversation before. Stop Get sending me your tappedout.com deck list. Get out of here with that. Get on Moxfield. <laughs> All the links are in the description. Get yeah. get in there. To talk about Command Fest, as as like, a, I've never been to one. So I think there's been like three, maybe, Command mm. Fest so far. I've never been to one. So I really don't know what to expect. And I do play Commander. I'm going to bring, at least on the first day, I'm going to bring my Legacy decks just to see if there's like side events or whatnot yeah. for Legacy. I think there are. I think there are. Yeah. I'm going to report back either way. So next week, you guys will get a uh, like, did was this a good idea kind of thing you know yeah, the, the the next big legacy event that i'm aware of i mean that i, I know i'm i'm going to is the the legacy pit too uh but that's not until october yeah so, it's a while right yeah it's a while uh, when I mean, is that it, it, uh, where sorry where is that that's in uh off the top of my head i i think it's in richmond oh, okay that's that's a, that's a drive. It? You should pick me up on the way down. Don't take our word for it here. Go look at the yeah, go thing, look it up. But go, go look sign it up. up for the legacy pit if you haven't gone Man, yet. I, the first event was uh, a really good event, but they I think this next one is actually going to be a lot better because a any of the things that the, those guys have learned from their first go around, but also because this time around it's mask mandated and vax proof of vax required. So the first go around it wasn't it was max mandated, but it wasn't proof of vax required. I don't believe, but the second one definitely is. So as for, I mean, that's why I signed up for it. So Rich, uh, it's in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, it's in Richmond. Okay, yeah. October first, twenty twenty two, at ten a.m. Uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, looks like it's one hundred and fifteen dollars to enter. Twenty grand cash payout. Two days yep. cut after. Top, and it's it's top all about eight. the belt, though. You get the belt. It's that the championship belt, yeah. title belt. Then you can then um, you can be the heel of uh, of legacy at that point. Right? Yeah, that's that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah, I want I want to raise that belt overhead and then cut a promo yeah. on the entire legacy community. But we have yeah, we have those promos made already, right? It's going to be in the moment right after I I I, I, I I'm going to terminate somebody's board and then they're going to extend the hand and I'm not even going to shake it. I'm just going to reach the belt, take it off of the the, the camera no setup. No, yeah, oh yeah. You don't you don't you don't you don't shake the hand. Do this you do this yeah you flick the toothpick in their face yeah i'm the bad guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like ah. right yeah um you do, do do the old classic heel r.i.p r.i.p like, scott you're like, you're, yeah you're like hey hey give me give, give, give me a give me five there and then they reach to give you five and then you just pull away you, you do you this slap their hand out yeah yeah <laughs> I don't have enough that's, hair that's to a, even do that. That's the worst. <laughs> Are you? That's what I mean. Did the bald guy just not shake my hand and try and fix his non-existent hand? Yes, yes he definitely did. <laughs> yeah, and you got got. You got fucking got. Yeah, dude, you did. I'll report back on, <laughs> on uh, how that is. How that uh format is i think yeah. i'm gonna see a couple people there i'll wear my i'll, I'll wear my shirt one of, on one of the days so if you happen to see me there say hi you know maybe we'll we'll, we'll jam some uh edh i am rocking like kind of medium to low power level like i want to say like under seven to like five power level edh decks but i have some higher level stuff i've got a couple cdh decks i might bring too just just for the hell of it See what that. I'm, see what I that's am, all about. I am pretty curious to see how they differ, if they differ at all, from like Grand Prix, Grand Prix just without yeah. a main event. Like, is there any other draw? Other like, is it just oh, this is a Grand Prix, except it's just mono side events, essentially, yeah, I mean, without the main the, event? Or is there something else that is like a draw that would make it attractive to actually venture, like travel out and pay money for? It? The thing is, like, so we did the um whatever the SCG event in Philly. That was that was like a super blast. I went out with some you know went went to some friends and we all did that. And I play I got to play Commander on the side events. But the problem with those events now is that the room is so packed full of people and like there's side events everywhere and every time you sit down to play a game you have to move so this oh yeah yeah, yeah. This i remember that the, yeah, yeah. this won't be the case because you're paying oh. for like kind of a 
you're paying for the space, so it won't you're, be overcrowded. I don't know. You reminded me, um, you made me uh, think of uh, another legacy event that I can't travel to because it's it's too far for me over here on the far over on the East Coast, but uh, Buffalo Chicken Dip, Chicken Dip Legacy, yeah. if you're in the Midwest, also has uh, another big event coming up. So you follow follow those accounts because if if that's if that's where you are, those events also always look so sick. It's it, the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy is one of those events where I, I like aspire to eventually be able to go and play in one. And it's just because it's far, it's far enough yeah. out away that I, I don't make it, but I, I want all of those types of things between Legacy Pit and Buffalo Chicken Dip and all like those types of outside of Watsi, like the, the event organizers that are doing those things. I just want those to essentially become as big as Eternal Weekends. And then yeah. there's like an Eternal Weekend every other month. Like that's that would be ideal. That would be awesome. If there were just like six to eight events a year that are like big events that people care about, I would love that. Like big yeah. paper events that people care about. You know? I mean, I'm going to be hard pressed to try and make it back to Ohio. It's going to be real hard to get me to go to uh, to the state I was born in, but I do not love to be in. But wow. that said, I mean, hey, look, if you're from Ohio, no hate on you. I just, I got some family there. I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, it, and it's primarily because they always lie about the power level of their commander decks. Yeah, that is that is the issue. Yeah. It's like people who are like playing like Mana Vault and they're, they're like, it's a seven, but they like churn out yeah, their and commander then, and, on the first and then turn. Like, come on, uh, come on, guys. Got my hand, Urza, kill you. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Like, this isn't fun. No infinite combos. Come on. Yeah. We talked but about that. Also, uh, to, to conclude the conversation that we've had today, if, you know, I, I know a lot of times that we do it, other podcasts do it. They're always like, you know, leave a comment, help us out, algorithm, all that stuff. And, you know, wh why would anybody actually ever spend time doing that? But if this, if there was a part of the conversation that where you're thinking the the plan A for a certain deck and you're unsure about stuff and like why something isn't working and you actually like want to have those conversations, hop over into our Discord. Dude, we love um, it. Like, Get in like, the Discord. We just, if, we just if, if you want to like, Discord too. If you want to talk about like a deck that you're working on or a brew you're working on, or even if it's tier deck and you're like, how am I navigating this? Like, why am I not seeing results when other people are seeing results? with a proven deck list if you want to have those types of conversations like talking about de conceptual deck building and how you're supposed to navigate certain matchups with that type of thing in mind and we can talk along those lines that can help with play i find those conversations to be really interesting i think that they're usually pretty fruitful because you can actually apply them to gameplay and see if you're if it helps improve any of results like it's actually like you could track it you can actually recognize well i i committed to this thing i tried it it didn't work or it did work how do i then uh, affect my essentially my hypothesis now in the next event that i play in i find those to be really interesting i think they're usually pretty helpful so if you are in those positions with any type of deck or you're you want to talk about anything like that hop over into discord i mean the discord kind of beyond, talk beyond talking about magic in the discord we all just tend to bs over there and just talk about whatever a really great thing uh we got into this weird conversation about like country music that we'll listen to and um we, we were well, we were talking about this song uh i can i can fix a drink right which uh -huh. is like it's a hilarious song um and and we were talking about how is this not like an snl thing it's actually a real song i was walking uh on the like shopping avenue by my house the other day and uh this was yesterday and this dude was just acoustically playing i can fix a drink and i was like oh, i should have taken a video of him and sent it to the discord but the discord's a lot of fun because we have these weird like you know all, the only people that are going to find that funny are the people that were in the discord but uh we have a lot we have a lot of fun in discord just bullshitting and, and talking about decks and you know life and you know there's a whole ton of stuff to 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 
jump in and, and BS about. It's it's also where I, I always put any new parodies that we have. Yeah, uh, that are, under are, bars. Our, 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 our Patreon subscribers help support uh, setting aside time to like make those types yeah. of, of parodies. But I always share the parodies in the Discord in the bar section first. So yeah. get in there and you can get a, like those, those sneak previews. The song at the beginning of the episode is new. The song at the end of this episode is new. If you want to listen to those, you can head over to the Discord or you can listen to the audio version of the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Yep. All right. Well, anyhow, Thank you again to our Patreon supporters. And uh, I, I would like to that... specifically thank Nate Golia. Nate. Nate. Nate, thank you so much. Miss Nate. That, that does it for this week, guys. Uh, thanks. Be safe. And uh, I'll catch you all later. Sit down for a match of magic. Open my hand. Let's assemble the combo with Chancellor Protection. See a bunch of mana sources and an evil demon But a faithless looting is conspicuously absent Got a mulligan, shit, shit, fuck Back to London, I'll bother keeping when I open up a turn one demon Going down to six, five, four, fuck Three cards I'll keep, then I'll say good luck, have fun And then entomb a fatty, reanimate Grizzle Brand Uh-huh, reanimate Grizzle Brand Uh-huh, reanimate Grizzle Brand Uh-huh Reanimate Grizzle Brand. Uh huh. Yeah, so cool, you did it. Pull this demon from the graveyard onto the board. It's the most interesting gameplay that could have happened, I'm sure. You didn't have a counter spell, so I will draw my whole deck. I'm so unlucky. Zero lotus petals, fuck statistics. Will I cast on mass? Trash. Hawk children of Corliss. Keep on masturbating. Richard Garfield should have just won. You cast in tomb. Exhumed. Archon of cruelty. Sacrifice a creature. Draw discard and drain. Yeah, for three, we and I make Grizzle Brand. Uh huh. 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 Yeah, like reanimator is totally a macro archetype.